What makes a routine or a ritual, as opposed to something you simply do often? Is there some kind of emotional weight? Or perhaps it's simply a dedicated commitment to a practice. In this episode, we explore rituals as they appear in everyday life, as routines, as commitments, and as artistic practices. Katare and Matka are the masterminds behind Precog. We had a chat to them about the purposes of clubbing as a ritual and its function as a community space and sensory bodily experience, creating futures for outsiders. Welcome to the Emerging Writers Festival podcast. I'm Izzy Roberts, or the artistic director, and I'm Ruby Rose Pivot Marsh. I'm the digital producer at EWF. How how are we going to introduce you guys? I'm Cezo. My name has always been DJ Cezo up until recently when I had a spiritual transformation, and now I am Cortare. Um, but most people just call me Cezo IRL. Cortare is the sacred kingfisher in Aotearoa. And uh, I'm Diana, but I DJ as Matka, which is also a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, actually means womb in Macedonian, which, it? which I didn't know until I looked it up because it's a place name near where my dad's from. And it's this kind of like huge canyon that has a very like emergence of life type. Mm, you know, I think mm, that's why yeah. it, it, it was named after yeah. Rites of Spring. Womb. womb Canyon. Yeah. So that was funny. But it means mother in Polish as well, which is like less visceral yeah. sounding. And we work on Precog together. Amazing. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Precog? Precog came about because I applied for Next Wave Festival um, and uh, we received a Liquid Architecture X Next Wave uh, National Co-Commission, which we won to throw a uh, experimental sound club night. Uh, well, it was actually like an experimental sound all day event. I finessed it with all of my theory and critical theory background into convincing people that club music was actually experimental. So we turned it into like this spiral of events which was like an art club night it's connected to club theory club club theory was written as a kind of explanation of the name precog and a lot of the theoretical grounding for the party and our curation therein the article that you wrote about club theory is something Mm -hmm. i'd really like to include in the show notes for this particular episode so Mm. that folks can clue themselves up and have a read of that can you give us like a really brief rundown yeah. for for listeners for sure like in a kind of like an in a nutshell mm-hmm. and then to for more information i encourage anyone listening to go Back and read the full article yeah you can start with the word precog um initially you might think of like psychics um that's a reference to the future um and we are concerned with the future but it's a little bit more subtle than that Precog is like that which comes before cognition and it's looking at something more intuitive which is where you could see like why it's associated with psychics but like the actual etymology of the term you know looking at what comes before cognition I think is really important because you know even science has demonstrated like in decision theory that we make a lot of our decisions in life unconsciously and then we rationalize those decisions afterwards as yeah, if there's we no, there's no explanation as to how we even make decisions in the first place yeah so regularly people think i did this because of this mm-hmm. a led to b but um that's not actually true that's just in we, microseconds yeah your, we felt our way through your higher brain um structures are deciding that that's why you did something and then mm-hmm. talking you into it mm-hmm. which is pretty mind-bending precog is about intuition and exploring that in the club space it's about how you feel outside of your Mm -hmm. rationalizations and your thinking 
thinking your way out of experience it forces you to have a very direct experience with your surroundings um so the music is very very loud um and overwhelming uh you have lights you have smoke you know people are taking drugs in order to be present and so it really encourages that presence outside of thought and you know when you go into a club it kind of does provide the space for this unwieldy unconscious logic like it's a stage is a regression like people are acting almost like children the whole time acting very spontaneously unconsciously that's what freeform dancing is all about um you're responding directly to the people around you negotiating space and what I also want to say about that is like, you know, clubbing has a very queer, trans, black, like marginalized history. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence even that like in Berlin, you know, what is it known for now? Like post-war Berlin is like a clubbing mecca. And I don't think any of that is a coincidence. I think that we club to express like trauma uh, whether that be like colonial or some kind of war trauma, you know, that has been encoded in our bodies like as memories. Like our bodies are our most concrete connection to our like direct sort of ancestral past. Like it is, you know, it's material, it's meat, it has our DNA, it has everything that's ever happened to our ancestors all the way back to the first humans. And, you know, we have recent colonial memory embedded in there, like post-colonial trauma. And I think that when you go into a club and you're dancing and it's this pure, direct spontaneity, like that is like a pure expression of your embodiment. And that is why marginalized people are attracted to these spaces. And a huge concern of ours is uh, like femmes in DJing and helping people who are marginalized to be able to DJ. It's a really easy, accessible way to make money and have engagement with music if you like grew up without like being able to afford instruments or like lessons. First and foremost, like we we have like explicit political interests that ties into our DJing and our practice. I think that we think clubbing is really important for so many reasons and I think that it's unfortunate that in somewhere like Australia where you know after World War II it became about everyone moved to the suburbs and start a nuclear family and then um, the time to have fun is over now now you work and then you eat dinner and then you go to bed and you do it again the next day there are a lot of people that I know who are in their 30s and they're like well I'm now I'm going to settle down and I stop I don't club anymore and that's mm. not for me or mm. whatever and it's mm. associated with mm. being single mm. and then going and hooking up and but I think like, that that's such a shame because there's so very, much more that clubbing yeah. actually does and it is a very heterogeneous normative concept of time that linear trajectory of life that you were talking about uh, and there's a lot of academic literature on queer temporality and that connection to the club so we do things outside of capitalist time that's why we actually did a 24-hour rave which was our follow-up to the first event um, so we wanted to do something that was you know like a form of resistance against a uh, you know heteronormative capitalist time constructs that go from nine to five or even just clubbing you know until a particular time we wanted to push that that was us making an example of that so talk to us about the future what is it that you're envisioning I mean I think it's really interesting looking back through the the in a nutshell conversation that we've just been having about what precog is looking at and Mm -hmm. talking about club theory Mm. i'm really fascinated by i suppose like music and club spaces and what you're creating in such an experiential mode as a form of storytelling and as a form of envisioning futures where when a lot of the storytellers that we're working with at this writers festival are going to be engaged in storytelling like purely through language Mm -hmm. as it were so when you're gathering together a group of people to participate in a ritual such as this Mm. what are you kind of channeling what are you hoping that people are getting from it what are you thinking about 
in terms of the future when you gather together that space? What I think is futuristic about the curation of the artists who play at the events that is that traditionally there's been a either no inclusion or a tokenistic inclusion of non-white men on lineups mm. and that is changing and so our our booking is kind of like a radical futuristic version of that because it's just it's not that white males can't play they're not banned mm. they can definitely come and enjoy and mm. people who are doing important work can come and play and be mm. involved but we're rejecting that traditional kind of setup even if those artists who are white men are more established and they're going to sell more tickets. We just reject that approach Mm. altogether. And I love the thought as well that that experience, direct experience and through dancing and ritual and gathering together and other other Mm. art forms that are, you know, still can be incredibly cerebral Mm. but can be led by experiential Mm. aspects, Mm. actually spaces to communicate about those ideas as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And still in those ways. And I love the point that you made about the... The lineup of a space and the creation and curation and existence of a space can actually be Mm -hmm. um, exactly that vision of a future that, Mm -hmm. you know, it tells everyone in that room too that that future is possible where Mm -hmm. celebrating those particular perspectives, voices, sounds is Mm -hmm. something to be... Yeah, I think it's also important to elevate these spaces and types of music that have traditionally been considered silly or too youthful or hedonistic or, yeah. you know, about pure indulgence. A lot of the time it'll be sanitized, mm. you know, white people versions of a type of music will be considered <coughs> art, but then the non-Western music that hasn't mm. yet been co-signed by arty white people is, is not considered real proper art. So that's something that we both are really aware of in our DJ practice and in doing precog and in opening up those spaces to in sort of like an egalitarian way in terms of the the artists that we book that's something that we really want to push forward as well my vision of a future is when all of this music can be art and not just the polite version (laughs) also like clubs really affect society I look at like identity politics now and for better or worse like it has changed things a lot of things are experimented in the club first, you know, trans awareness, you know, people focus on pronouns now, like it's second nature, it's becoming second nature. These ideas are conceived and incubated in club spaces, it's places where people can be themselves. Um, so, you know, club norms become social norms, norms become laws. Mm. So it's not silly. <laughs> it's not silly. Well, mm. we definitely heavily agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're really excited to have you involved with the closing night party this year. I'm really flipping excited. I've been planning my outfit already. Oh, cool. same. <laughs> <laughs> we're um, excited to play. Yeah. Manisha Anjali is a Melbourne-based writer, performer and dream archivist. Speaking to us about her day-to-day routines, she shared her practice of documenting dreams, even when you might have to make them up the importance to committing to one's imagination, and also read her work, Kalapani, originally commissioned for pearlescent verse. So do you have any writing rituals of your own? I do. I guess I just try to embed as many little ritualistic things or find that time to create whenever I can around all the things in my life. And no two days are the same for me. 
which I'm grateful for as well because I can't imagine waking up at the same time every day or um, having every day being the same. Although in saying that, the one thing that I do on a daily basis is write in my dream journal. I think of dreaming as a practice and I do it because I made a decision, I made a commitment to my imagination and every morning I write down what I did the night before, what worlds I visited, what creatures I hung out with. A lot of my dreams are quite vivid and full of adventure and entities, animals, utopian, dystopian lands, and so many of my compositions happen while I'm asleep. Writing them down is really, it's like an exercise in memory. It's like the human memory is such a fragile whimsical untrustworthy kind of thing and I guess that's why we write things down. So what does that look like in actuality? You wake up roll over and there's a notebook on the side of your bed that you immediately dictate into? Yes exactly. Um, Sometimes I might type it into my phone but I I hate screens but there's I have several notebooks. I think the um, idea of like a commitment to your imagination is also really lovely because I think sometimes we lose that a bit. I think as as an artist, it's it's your duty to commit to your imagination. Essentially, you are here in in service of others, of um, not just being a mirror for day to day life, but you're responsible for making something out of it, making something beautiful out of it. And I think yeah, these little rituals are so important in helping you stay like in a constant state of inspiration. And I'm curious about, um, I mean, obviously the role of ritual within storytelling practice goes back probably as long as storytelling itself. The act of getting together in a group of people, for example, and sharing stories is a ritual in its own right. Mm. I'm curious about whether you feel there's particular links for your own individual writing practice and rituals that have a more collective outcome as well. I think that's the act of sharing for me. Everything else I do is so, it's just in isolation. It's just me in my bedroom, like writing in my bed or on the floor or at my desk. Like that whole side of things is pretty scattered, but it can be quite a lonely kind of process. Um, When I'm ready to put it out there, it's like I like it to be some kind of grand thing that's happening and it is a coming together of people and a celebration of ideas and connection. And I think, yeah, the, the gathering is certainly ritualistic. Does idleness or boredom play a role in your rituals in contrast to that notion of productivity? I don't usually find myself being idle or bored. I feel like I am like constantly stimulated or most of the time I feel like I'm overstimulated by the amount of like things that I take on and things that I'm reading and having a thousand tabs open. It's like, I don't know, I feel like being bored like an hour time right now it's it might end up being a thing of the past because there's just it's information overload so now we would like to gift our listeners with a ritual that we'll create collaboratively do you want to go first Manisha okay when you wake up the first thing you do is write down a dream write down a dream you had the night before if you don't remember a dream make something up If you don't remember a dream, write down someone else's dream that you thought was interesting or write down what it feels like to not remember. I was actually just going to say, please have a drink of water because I know I forget to do that. 
I think that's very important. What I would like to add to that routine, so following, flowing on from the dream and the drink of water, is that when you find yourself walking, consider what thoughts are flowing through your head. Don't write them down as you're walking. Just take the time as you're walking to let your mind wander a little bit. And when you get to the end of your walk, much as the same as when you wake up from your dream and you immediately write it down, write down whatever's in your head at the end of that walk. Thanks so much for joining us, Manisha. Have you got any advice for emerging practitioners that are listening to this episode? Read widely and not just read, but also consume as much art as possible. Like listen to music, but really listen to music. Go to museums and see, like try and look at things that were done before you. Look at things that are happening now and figure out what you can do to make the world better or add add to this pool of dreams that we all share. Figure out a way to be in a constant dialogue with like the ghosts of the past and the people of the future. Fantastic advice. Now we're about to hear a piece that Manisha has read for us. Can you tell us a little about this work? This is a piece called Kalabani, which translates to black water. It was commissioned for an exhibition called Pearlescent Verse, curated by Jake Tracy, which is part of Blindside's satellite program. The theme of the whole exhibition is water, and so the black water is actually a dreaded aspect of the Indian unconscious. And so when indentured workers were being taken from India to Fiji on the boats, they were terrified of crossing the black water, believing that anyone who left the subcontinent was cursed. And that's the reason why a lot of them didn't go back or weren't welcomed back into their communities because they had left. That poem is set on... The Leonidas, which is the first boat that took workers over to the West Indies and to the Fiji Islands. That's what it's about. The devil put milk in my mouth. This is the black water. I am on a ship of bones. My legs are open to two moons. My legs are open to my own death. It will come with the music of the Ravanata. It will come with the smell of marigold and smoke. It will come with the love song from the orca's tongue. It will come. It is here now. He is here now. I am on a ship of livers. The devil pulls my hair and puts my hair in my mouth. The orca is moved by the Ravanata. The devil pulls my hand and puts my hand in my mouth. The orca is moved by the sound of milk. The devil cuts my throat and plants flowers in my throat. The orca is a two-headed jackal. All the snakes have lost their tongues. All the fish have lost their tongues. All the birds have lost their tongues. Seventeen ghosts bring me red and white fruit. 
the black water licks the belly of the orca. And Kalapani has no body. She takes the body of whomever she loves. The sap-shaped body of holy water, the sun-shaped body of Samundar, the lantern-shaped body of my own death. And Kalapani has no taste. She takes the taste of whomever she loves. Salt, blood, 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 salt, blood, 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 milk, 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 milk. Take off your shoes before you enter her. Take off your clothes before you enter her. The devil plays the Ravanata from a floating altar on the rings of Saturn. The orca is moved by the black water. Thanks for tuning in to the Emerging Writers Festival podcast. This year, the festival runs from the 19th to the 29th of June in Melbourne. You can partake in Kotare and Matka's precog experience and hear Manisha read at the closing night party, Stay Gold, at the Brunswick Mechanics Institute on Saturday the 29th of June from 7pm until late. Manisha will also be performing at Late Night Lit yesterday, a live listening party, on Thursday the 20th of June from 9pm at Loop Project Space and Bar, and at the Lift of Brow Issue 42 launch on Friday the 28th of June at Brunswick Mechanics Institute from 8.30pm. See the full Emerging Writers Festival program and book tickets online at emergingwritersfestival.org.au. Full artist bios for this episode are available on the website and in the show notes on SoundCloud. Our theme music for the podcast is the magical Huntley's Please from their EP Songs in Your Name. You can check them out on Facebook at Huntley Music and listen to their recently released debut album Low Grade Buzz wherever you normally find your music. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that First Nations peoples are the first storytellers of this land and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to the Elders of the lands that this podcast reaches.